Hey guys, we are Emma and Jessica and welcome to our podcast, The MSR Files, an X-Files podcast. In this episode, we are going to go over Young at Heart. We'll go through it scene by scene and discuss while interjecting with our own thoughts. We hope you enjoy. This episode was directed by Michael Lang and written by Scott Calfer and Chris Carter. And you're up first. Okay, doke. So the episode opens at Tashmu Federal Correction Facility, Pennsylvania, in 1989. A wheelchair-bound man is coming down the hallway and he passes by an empty bed which catches his attention. He hears screaming and he kind of like jerks around in surprise and then he follows it and he gets down a he opens the door and it goes into like an operating room uh, where there's a doctor operating on somebody um, and the man asks what are you doing to Barnett and the doctor sort of like turns around he's like oh, oh shit been caught <laughs> and the man says like what are you doing to Johnny and the doctor like put down, puts down his knife and just tells him to go back to his ward and there's nothing that he can do for his friend now and he tells him that John Barnett is dead and the man denies it. He's like, no, I heard him screaming. Like, what were you doing? And then the doctor, like, picks up the scalpel and, like, walks over to him and threatens him. <laughs> which is like, okay. Went, like, zero to hundred pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the doctor says, yep. yeah, John Barnett is dead. Like, you understand. And the man just has, like, no choice but just, like, nod and leave. But Barnett's head on the table is sort of like, turned towards him and is just staring with dead eyes. And his pupils are completely blue. And the doctor says, go on, Crandall, get out of here. There's nothing more to see here. Do you understand? And then on the table, Barnett blinks and the Crandall leaves and then Barnett blinks again. And it is just, it's weird. It's like a creepy start to it, but it's cool. And then, yes, yes. <laughs> kind of sinister, babe. <laughs> uh, so after the opening titles, we cut to Washington, D.C. in present day. And Mulder and, Sc- Mulder and Scully get out of their car and head to a crime scene at a jewellery shop. Scully says that she still doesn't get it. Like, what does this have to do with us? And Mulder says, robbing a jewellery store is a federal crime. And then Scully's a little like, sarcastic. She's just like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like that's for the audience. So they're not like, oh, why would the FBI yeah. be doing this? But they do all the time. And they're like, this is under FBI jurisdiction. Yeah. It's like... Is anyone really questioning? I don't think we care. We're like looking at ghosts and aliens and that. We're not questioning. Yeah, yeah. This is FBI jurisdiction. But it seems like we all uh-huh. do that for like, the audience no benefit. Like, by the way, this would be an FBI case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, we kind of we kind of guessed that by the fact that the FBI are there. But okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, in this scene, can we talk about how close they are walking to one another? Like, they're literally the pressed up against each other. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's fantastic it is the best that's what we are here to talk about we don't actually care what happens that is what you're (laughs) we're just here to talk about silly little things like that (laughs) yes yep that's all that matters (laughs) so then in our reply to scully muller says he doesn't know what they're doing here he got a call from some guy used to work with over at the violent crime section and said it was important so as they enter in the Mm -hmm. coroner is wheeling away the victim Yep, as Mulder and Scully start like walk in, and they walk over to Agent Reggie Perdo. Is it Perdo? Perdo. Is that how they Perdo? Yeah, right. I couldn't remember how they pronounce it. <laughs> Agent Reggie Perdo. <laughs> and then oh, Mulder, this little scene—he looks so happy. He's just walking in. He's like Reggie, Reggie. <laughs> so he looks so happy with himself. So they shake hands, and then. Reggie is like, Muller, I hate it when you do that. Mm-hmm. And Muller's like, oh well. <laughs> and he introduces them both. Um, so he introduces them to Scully. And then they shake hands. And Scully asks, what's happened here? And Reggie says that a lone gunman took out a sales girl after she filled up the bag for him. And Muller asks if his guy's turned up anything. And Reggie says that not much, except... And he's like, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> and Muller's like, mm, why? And Reggie is like convinced it's going to blow Muller's mind because he keeps seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he hands Mulder an evidence bag with a piece of paper in it and Mulder reads the paper but then this little like cut in this bit where Scully is standing between them and she is so fucking tiny and so cute. <laughs> she is so small. She's so small. She is teeny. So Sc- Scully asks what is it and Mulder's like wait 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 
and he looks. Does he not put shook. a hand up into her face. He looks shook. Yes, I think it's always <laughs> like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, how rude. So Reggie's like to Mulder, is like, do you see why I called you? And Mulder asks, what about witness descriptions? And Reggie says, a white male, five eleven to six feet, uh, wearing a ski mask. And Mulder's kind of like stares at him, and he's like, that's Barnett. And Reggie was like, yeah, but it can be. And Scully's just like sitting in the back. I feel like this is a moment where she put her hand up and be like, who's Barnett? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, remember, I'm here. <laughs> so they look at her and they kind of share a look. And then as Mulder and Scully walk out of the shop, he explains to her about Barnett and the case he was on. It was Mulder's first case with the Bureau. Um, Barnett was doing, a, was doing arm jobs all over DC and getting away with it. He was very trigger happy. He killed seven people. There was this big task force. Reggie was his ASAC. Still not quite sure what that means. Nah, me either. I don't know. Probably. I don't know. No superior. Whatever. Yeah. He says that he was 28 years old, right out of the academy, and he had this theory on the case, and Reggie thought hey, Mulder was full of it. Um, so... We have a timeline. So he was 28 when he came out of the academy. Brilliant. I totally missed that. So I don't know how long. I'd missed it too. And then I was when I was reading it back, I was like, oh, 28 when he came out of the academy. So we have a long lead train for. But then you would kind of leave. Because I know we talked about this before. You kind of leave uni about 23, 24-ish, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think. I don't know. Depend- not in the UK, though. It takes a lot longer in the US, I believe. Because, I don't know. Maybe there are, right, maybe okay. there are high schools education's not quite up to scratch so they have to do more at college before they can not at college like at uni but they call it college uh-huh. before they can do an actual yeah. like masters sort of thing whereas or do like a specialized right. course whereas here you can literally jump straight from mm-hmm. high school into a, a course more often than not especially back in yeah. the day i think yeah so yeah. here you could be out and like the courses mm-hmm. are only about three years long so you could be out of college by so he could have been out yeah. of college by like 21 but at the same time i feel like not i feel like if he went mm-hmm. to oxford he probably did maybe still went and done his bachelor's in the US, so maybe he was like there till he's twenty two, yeah. then three years there, that's twenty five. Then how many ever years at the academy? Maybe it doesn't even take that long with the FBI Academy, I don't know. But apparently you've got to be a police officer before you know. can even join the FBI. So surely he should have been a police officer before right, okay. he, and that, which I cannot fucking yeah. believe at all. Well, was he not recruited <laughs> to the FBI after co- college? Like does it not say? Like, I think he was. So yeah. Which wouldn't have happened. You have to do like normal policing first. I don't know. Is age because how old is he supposed to be? He's older than what he's actually supposed to be, is he not? Yeah, not saying he looks um... old because he actually looks like a baby in the first few seasons. <laughs> he does, he looks like a child. <laughs> it's so cute. I don't know then. I always forget. Sixty one. So in this is where math doesn't work. Thirty two. Thirty two years in nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, like, I went to my phone and I did ninety three minus sixty one. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I said I, I've had a long week. <laughs> Technology is there to help us, so why not use it? <laughs> so yeah, thirty two, and then that's him twenty eight right out the academy. So four years, however long he's with violent crimes. So he's been an agent for and four then, years, and then this time, yeah, he has started the F. X files, been in violent crimes, done all these cases that mm-hmm. keep coming up later in the season. Like, oh, this is a case back from then. Also, started yep. up the X files with Diana Filey, broke up with her. Yeah, <laughs> had all this nonsense happen. It's just like, yeah. really all in that time. Yeah, the timeline. Yeah, it doesn't quite work out. No, he's lived a life. That's, in those uh, four that's years, a Christmas that's special, sure. right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been a hellish four years for him. It has. He's been on an adventure. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, also, the height scene, height difference in this scene is very, very Exquisite. good. She, again, looks absolutely teeny. Definitely. So Scully asks, what was his theory? And then Mulder says that Barnett had an inside connection. An employee at the armoured car company was tipping him off about large shipments of cash, and it turns out he was sort of right. And then Scully's just like, sort of? And Mulder's like, yeah, they planted bogus uh, wee bills manifest with... The- no, they planted bogus waybills, manifest with the armoured car company to try and set a trap, but Barnett was way ahead of us. That's when the notes started. So he hands Scully the bag with the note in it, and Scully reads it and it says, Fox can't guard the chicken coop. And Mulder's like, oh, clever, huh? Lame. And Scully asks if they ever caught him. What was that? I said it lame. Oh, lame, yeah. It is very lame. Very weird notes. But okay. They each their own, my guy. <laughs> 
So Scully asks if they ever caught him, and Mulder's like, no, we did. They did, but it was not clean. An agent died because he screwed up. Uh, Scully asks what happened to Barnett, and Mulder says that he avoided death penalty on a technicality, uh, but he went down for every job that he did. Um, consecutive terms, 340 years. The judge promised Mulder that he would die in prison. So Scully, think, Scully asks, do you think he's escaped? And Mulder says, no, that's just that he died in prison four years ago. And Scully asks, are you sure? And Mulder's like, nope, I was paying attention. Mm-hmm. Like, he is definitely sure. And then he walks away. And then we cut to a crime lab where an agent is looking at the note closely underneath a microscope like machine thing. Yep. Um, I'm sure it has a better name than that, but that's what we're calling Literally it. Literally <laughs> what I called it in my notes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It's a little microscope. That's what it says in the tin. Yep. So Mulder is looking as well through a second pair of lenses on the same machine, which is quite funky how it has like the two lenses to both looking at the same thing. It's quite yeah. cool. And the pers- the agent we find out later on is Henderson. So the agent Henderson asks if this guy's a friend Agent of Cougar. yours and Right Cougar. Agent Cougar, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, Sorry I free you off. <laughs> oh, <there we> <laughs> it's fine. So Mulder says, Yeah, I play golf with him every Sunday and he's like, What do you think? <laughs> and the agent says, oh, you just brought this in 10 minutes ago. And Mulder's like, oh, you're slipping, Henderson. <laughs> and then she says that 10 minutes being maybe enough time for you, Mulder. Of course, I wouldn't know that from personal experience. And Mulder just like looks at her. And it's quite like the little bit easy banter going on here. Yeah. It's quite it's quite funny. And it's nice to see that not everybody sits and makes fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some people just come on. <laughs> not really up yeah. in the workplace, but he wishes it was Scully. No, it's them. not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's just this a wee bit of banner. Mm-hmm. And then Mulder's like, right, okay. <laughs> Seriously, like, what do you think? <laughs> and then Henderson says, she's like, okay, like first impressions, the ink is fresh, the note was written in the last 48 hours using a ballpoint pen, but she's like, but you knew that? Uh, a right-hander, and then she says it was written by somebody sitting down, but now she's just showing off. <laughs> and Mulder's like, right, okay, like, but does it match Barnett? Like, he's getting like quite frustrated now. Yeah. She's like, like, drop the banter, woman, I need to know. <laughs> So then Henderson's like, yep, I would say it was him. And Mulder, uh, Mulder questions, but you're not sure? And Henderson's like, not 95% sure. He says the writing is sloppy and some of the ascenders and descenders are heavier. And Mulder asks, could it have been traced over an old note of Barnett's? Uh, she says that it could be, but it's a damn good job if it is. And then Mulder's like, oh, thank you, I owe you one. And she's like, oh, promises, promises, as he leaves the room. <laughs> so then we cut to Reggie's office and Scully and Reggie are watching a video of the stakeout uh, where they caught Barnett. Agents surround the truck as Barnett steps out holding a gun to his partner's head um, Reggie points out on the, the film says that there's Barnett they staked out an airport warehouse but everything went to hell when Barnett took the driver of the armoured truck hostage so Scully asks where's Mulder and Reggie points him out on the screen he's coming up behind Barnett and Reggie says that Barnett doesn't see him so Scully says that yep he's got a clear shot and Reggie says that he should have taken it but he couldn't and Reggie's like, no, he couldn't, not with hostage so close. And Scully says that that's because it's not by the book. And Reggie says that it would have saved one life, maybe two, but Barnett just started blasting away. And I think it was, is it a, it's always sunny, where Danny DeVito was like, and I just started blasting. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what the scene is, but it just reminds me of that. I've never watched <laughs> it. It cracks me up. <laughs> it is funny, and I do see clips on, like, cup. I like just compilations. <laughs> I think I watched like, the first three episodes a few years ago on Netflix, but I just couldn't get into it. But I do love Charlie Day, so that's why I was, mm-hmm. that's why I tried to get into it. Because I was like, I yeah. love Charlie Day, but yeah. I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I think I've watched the first season, and I, I meant to go back, but I just never did. This is just you all over, isn't it? You watched the first season of everything. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, never and I'm like, ah, so that's enough. The ex Charles is actually the only thing she's ever seen in its entirety. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And French, <laughs> pretty much is. It, it gripped me in. Oh, that's true, yeah. And Scrubs. I've seen Scrubs. And Scrubs. They've got to have, like, just, I don't know, just a tragic, like, love story. <laughs> like Mulder and Scully have, where they just never get together. And then they do, but then, then they don't. Or comedy. Yep. Yeah, that's the good stuff. <laughs> yep, so anyway, Barnett just started blasting. And then Reggie stands, and in the video, Barnett shoots his hostage. And then another agent before Mulder shoots him in the back. Or the shoulder. I don't know. He shoots him. Somewhere. Um, so Scully's like, oh, so Mulder, yeah, somewhere. So Mulder did shoot Barnett, Scully says, and Reggie's like, yep, twice, yeah, but not before. Oh no, Reggie says that he did it in the shoulder and in the hand, but not before Barnett killed the driver and Agent Steve Wallenberg. He says that Mulder never forgave himself for that. You should have heard his testimony at Barnett's trial. And Scully says it probably had a lot to do with the sentence the judge gave Barnett. And Reggie says that he'll never, he'll never forget Mulder coming down from the witness stand and Barnett turning and saying he'd get Mulder. Tell you, and he says, to tell you the truth, I wish Mulder had killed Barnett. 
Barnett right there in the warehouse. So he walks away and on the video is a still shot of the agents hovering over Barnett. So we cut again to the FBI headquarters, another office, and Mulder takes a printout out of the printer as Scully walks over and she asks what Henderson came up with. And Mulder says that she's 95% sure that it's Barnett's handwriting and Scully notices the paper and she asks what it is. And Mulder says the Federal Bureau of Prisons sent him a copy of Barnett's death certificate. And he reads it out, it says, Name of deceased, Barnett, John Irvin, cause of death, cardiac arrest, date September 16th, 1989. So they both walk off away from the printer, and then Scully says that it must be a very clever copycat, and then Mulder goes on to say that the note was written in the last 48 hours. Scully asks if the pool is any prints, and he says no. And Scully says that uh, Barnett had a lot of time on his hands while he was in prison, maybe planned it with someone on the outside. So Mulder opens the door to like go into the office, and then he sort of like turns around and lets it close again and he asks revenge from the grave he's like that'd be a neat trick and Scully comments that he planned to get you didn't he and he says that she was down talking to agent Purdue and Mulder asks if he showed her the videotape and she says that he did the right thing but Mulder's like did I? He's like Steve Wallenberg had a wife and two kids one of his boys is an all-star on his football team now if he'd pulled the trigger two seconds earlier Wallenberg would be here to see his kid play instead I got some dead man robbing jewelry stores and said to me haikus (laughs) and he just walks off into the office and the door slams behind them. <laughs> Such a martyr. Yeah. So then we cut to uh, what is supposed to be a grass field, I'm assuming. Oh my um, god, this field. has seen Verdi's. Jeezy peeps, what is with that? <laughs> Those poor kids. It is ridiculous. Wow, we shame making them play in that. Crazy. Um, so yeah, so on this supposed field, not convinced, um, mm-hmm. a young football team is playing about in the mud. But it's, it's playing in the mud, they're not playing about in the mud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're playing football. <laughs> On the mud. So the coach is out on the field and Spoiler's coaching them through the game and the parents are like shouting encouragement from the sides and Mulder, a bit weird, but he's just sitting there like watching the kids play. I'm like, okay. Pedo bird Mulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Is that full of them with the stash? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Mulder gets up to leave and he passes a strange man who is dressed like really heavily. Lots of layers on, obviously somebody Russian in disguise. <laughs> yeah. He walks over to his car and sees a package is on the seat. He opens the door and he takes it. He opens it up and he sees that there's surveillance photos and a note that reads, a hunted fox eventually dies. So Mulder shuffles through the surveillance photos of himself <laughs> and like kind of looks around for Barnett and then he sounds like absolutely crazy and he starts like yelling into the <laughs> into the street he's like I'll get you you son of a bitch <laughs> and then like the parents and the kids on the field just kind of like look back at him like oh what the fuck so yeah can we just talk about these photos though because uh-huh. I feel like we should keep John Barnett alive just to be Mulder's personal photographer because he takes <laughs> good shots. Yes, they are very good shots <laughs> I will say. 10 out of 10. They look like they should be in GQ or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they are professionally done. Boy should have been a photographer not a murderer. Yep. <laughs> He's in the wrong career. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, after we see like, you know, old Muldy starting to crack, he's breaking down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets into his car and drives off and then a strange man sort of like looks back over and we, it like focuses on his eyes and his eyes are like glazed over. People's are completely blue and just like those same dead eyes we saw at the start. Cue the X-Files theme. Mm-hmm. So back at head- headquarters, Purdue is sitting at his desk and he looks through the various pictures that were in the envelope. And he says that he thinks that somebody is messing with Mulder's head. Mulder says that Barnett said that he'll get me. Like, you were there when it happened. And Purdue's like, I don't care. Like, he's dead. Mulder's like, "Mm, apparently not. Purdue then's like, oh, come on. Like, let me tell you something. There's a lot of guys who know that Barnett made the threat to Mulder. And he is convinced that it's definitely Barnett. And Reggie just doesn't get like how you could see that and Mulder's like I just feel that it is like he just knows so then Pardue stands up and signals to somebody who's like off screen and a man walks out and kind of leaves the two of them alone in the office and then Pardue goes on to say that you know all this talk about you and being spooky Mulder he's never used to pay it much attention they figured it was just about it was just talk about how paranoid he was and all and Mulder's like and now and then Pardue says remember the day you walked into my office wet from Quantico you pissed me off just <laughs> just looking at you <laughs> but then he saw how his mind worked and how you're always three jumps ahead and he says that it was scary Mulder and everybody said so and Mulder's like nah, I've heard the story like whatever but then Red like he turns around goes to leave but then Purdue grabbed his arm and turns him back around to look at them and he's like well maybe you ought to hear it again and then just like kicking a man while he's down <laughs> he's like you let a lot of people down here in the bureau like they had big plans for you such a fucking disappointment Mulder I know I know <laughs> he's like buck up your ideas <laughs> 
you've become an embarrassment and a liability. <laughs> it's like, what a great friend. And then Mulder asks after that, I was like, are you saying that somebody from the Bureau is behind this? And Purdue says, maybe, but maybe not. It's always best to cover your ass in any event. Scully walks in and she's just like, sorry, this was just facts. And I'm like, oh, the days of faxing. <laughs> Throwback. Like you ever sent a fax, Emma? <laughs> I didn't, but I remember seeing them, like in the school office. I remember seeing. Th- I'm sure. I'm sure in high school, some somebody had a fax machine, and I remember it working once. And I was just like, "What on earth is this?" What do you mean? Never, someone we, like, we had a fax machine. You mean like someone at, in their house or someone? Well, no, like no, like someone at, in the school. There was a fax machine. Oh, there would have been. I'm, I'm sure there was. We could still send faxes through like the printer. Like the it worked with a big printer, right? So okay. We used to have to like fax or invoices, and I was like, I was saying how like yeah. it's such a stupid way to do it. I was like, surely we can email or something, and the operation. No, she was a uh-huh. front of house manager or something. Was like, yeah, surely there's a better way to do this than fax. And I was like, maybe carrier pigeon or something taking the piss. And then like my sixty year old manager was like, oi, these are my days that you're knocking here. <laughs> She's like, what's wrong with fax? I was like, it's so shit. It is, but no, I I definitely remember seeing them, and I never used one because. It was too complicated for me to wrap my head around. Yeah. At school, they'd be like, you're not using this. <laughs> okay, like, don't touch this expensive bit of equipment. <laughs> but I definitely do remember. It's just like scanning actually. stuff, really, and sending it away. But instead of getting a digital copy, you got a printed out copy. Yeah. I feel like I should, we should buy fax machines oh, and just it. send each other faxes. And then <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah. <laughs> we absolutely should. I wonder if you could still buy one nowadays. Oh, of course much cost. There are people still out there sending faxes. Oh yeah, for sure. Probably Mulder. He's got one in that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think he's still got one in his office. <laughs> Absolutely. Buried under something. Yeah, Sasquatch imprint. Yeah, <laughs> the Sasquatch. <laughs> it's right next to his Sasquatch costume. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> back, to, back to the episode. Yeah. Another wee tangent. Scully was like, oh, it's like, sorry for interrupting you. This was just facts. And she hands, his per- hands Purdue a piece of paper and it is a copy of John Barnett's Last Will and Testament. She says there are no surviving relatives left what he had to another prisoner, um, someone called Joe Crandall, and the instructions for his body to be cremated. Will was executed six months after his death, and documents states his ashes were spread along the bank of the Delaware River by an employee of the crematory used by the prison. And then Purdue says, it's like I said, Mulder, I think somebody is messing with your head. But Mulder then questions killing a sales clerk just to leave me a note. I say that's going a a little out of your way. So he picks up the pictures and leaves and then they both kind of watch him go. And then we cut to a computer lab. Mulder is sitting next to the technician and on the screen is a picture of Barnett and Mulder says that he's older now, he may put some weight and he's probably about five years older and shits some keys and on the screen Barnett's face grows older and thinner and Mulder comments that he could be wearing any kind of disguise and then the picture on the screen, Barnett grows a beard and then Mulder stands up and kind of like walks away, just like weirdly and abruptly it's a bit strange but okay <laughs> um, and then he thinks back to his day in court so he is sitting on the stand as the prosecutor walks around the room and he looks like a little baby sitting like in the witness stand when the scene changes, it's so cute All They've literally done his brushes here so forward young. and set it to the side. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they've done. He looks so young. It's very, it's very cute. So the prosecutor says, "Take us back to the day in question." Speaking to Mulder, he says, "What is your impression that John Barnett took a kind? No, was it your impression that John Barnett took a kind of perverse pleasure in his crimes?" And she asked, "Didn't he send those notes to taunt you?" And Mulder says, "Yes, I felt like he was daring us to catch them. Uh, that he killed these victims almost as if it was part of a game." And uh, just, oh, like the Barnett in this scene just looks like a wee creeper, just sitting there like smiling. <laughs> It's not, it's not a good look, mate. He is a wee creep, boy. It just looks weird. He is. He is a wee creeper. Yeah, it's just, oh, it gives me shivers. And I suppose you could say it was well played, but yeah, just looks like a creep. So no offence to the actor, but <laughs> he did. So the prosecutor then asked Mulder to describe for the court what happened when they finally caught John Barnett. And Mulder explains that they had a customs warehouse at the airport state town. New Barnett has someone working for the armoured car transport tipping him off about large shipment uh, large cash shipments but they never figured who'd actually be inside the vehicle when it arrived that's how barnett was able to take the driver of the vehicle hostage then the prosecutor asks in other words john barnett used his own accomplice as a hostage and after Mulder confirms it she asks what happened then and Mulder says that they surrounded barnett they ordered him that they ordered him to surrender his hostage and his weapon and the prosecutor questions where he was at this time and Mulder explains that he was right behind barnett and a prosecutor says, or asks with a clear shot at the suspect. And then you kind of see him like hesitate. And then he nods and he's like, yes. And the prosecutor asks why he didn't fire. And then Mulder explains that it's against FBI regulations to unnecessarily endanger the life of a hostage. So then it kind of cuts to Pardue in the front row who looks over at Barnett. 
And again, he just looks weird. Just looks very creepy. Creeper. But he's sitting wearing handcuffs and yep, he seems to be very pleased with Mulder's testimony. Mulder goes on to say that with he thought that with no means of escape, Barnett would give up. And the prosecutor asks what happened instead and Mulder explains that Barnett fired his weapon point blank at the hostage and then turned his gun on Steve Wallenberg and shot him in the face. And he kind of like starts to, I don't know, just like break up a wee bit when he's talking there. And the prosecutor says, you know, like, thank you, like no further questions. And then Mulder stands and it just always seems to need to get the last word. <laughs> And he's like, oh, he gunned him down just for spite. <laughs> and the defense lawyer starts to object. And the judge is like, right, shut up. By the <laughs> way, this lawyer, is she not the mum from Dieter? Oh, I don't know. I was I was too busy, like, taking notes to check, but possibly. It's quite a time difference, obviously, but I think it might it'd be. be useful for the time, yeah. She's definitely been in another episode. I don't okay. know it's definitely that character, but she's definitely been in something else. Right. I'll need to go back and check now. I will keep an eye out. <laughs> and then Mulder continues to go on to say that this man with a wife and two small children, and he says to Barnett that you shot him without hesitation, without conscience, without an ounce of humanity. And the lawyer and the judge are continuing to be like, right, Mulder, shut up. <laughs> then, no, nope, he's like, I'm just going to keep like steamrolling your head. He's like, which is why you should die like an animal you son of a bitch <laughs> the judge goes on to say he's like hey Major Mulder if you do not stop I will find you in contempt of court and again Barnett gives him his creepy wee smile as the judge calls order and then Mulder finally steps down and the crowd continues to like barmer in the background so Mulder kind of stops and like glares at Barnett before he sits down he's a pardue and then once he does Barnett turns around and looks over at Mulder and he whispers the words I'll get you and then it's like this weird wink and like blows a kiss and then just like turns around <laughs> and then like pardue is like sitting talking to Mulder but we don't really hear what they say and it's just, yeah, just he's just a wee creep. <laughs> so the scene like fades, yeah, fades back to the present and Mulder leans over the computer specialist and he says that he'll need printouts of every variation. And Scully walks in and she says that they just got off the phone with the prison. Yeah, Mulder asks, what did they come up with? And then Scully goes on to say that she called them on a hunch. She says, John Burnett died of a heart attack, right? At least that's what it says on his death certificate. And then she says, Well, I had them fax me all of his medical records and Barnett was admitted to the prison infirmary for an infection in his right hand. There isn't any indication or diagnosis of coronary complications. In fact, on his physical six months earlier, he was given a clean bill of health. And then we cut back to the Tashmu Federal Correctional Facility an inmate is standing next to Crandall the man we saw in the beginning and points over to Mulder and Scully in the doorway and says there's someone here to see you so as they walk up the, the corridor Mulder and Scully are walking on either side of Crandall and he comments that he, don't, he doesn't get many visitors and Mulder questions and asks them like you know you knew John Barnett it's like how well did you know him Crandall's like you knew him pretty well and then Scully says that he left you everything in his will you must have known him better than pretty well and Crandall goes on to say that he used to change his bandages and they just got to know each other by the way are they insinuating that they were lovers huh? by all this i don't know i feel like that was what they were insinuating without making it like clear okay. in words i think that's what they're trying to say possibly yeah it happens in prison <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I could read that pretty well. Yep. Uh, from like, yeah, just like the way they question it. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that before. Can you believe Sebastian has been sitting next to me all this time and hasn't made a single peep? Yeah. That's fucking rare. Oh, I would not have believed that. <laughs> oh, we'll see Vass. We'll see Vass. Look at him he's go. He's just chilling. He's sleeping. <laughs> so Mulder asks Crandall, are you aware that Barnett died of cardiac arrest in this facility in 1989? And Crandall doesn't believe it at all. He's like, cardiac arrest? Where does it say that? And Scully's like, on his death certificate. And Crandall's like, he isn't dead, is he? And Mulder asks why he says that and Crandall says that the last time I saw John Barnett it was right in that room over there it like points towards the door and he says that there was a doctor working on him with a knife and it took his bad hand clean off. Scully asks what doctor and Mulder asks if it was a Dr. Ridley and Crandall says yeah it was Dr. Ridley he told me Johnny was dead but knew it was a lie he put a knife right under up right up under my chin just for asking. So Scully asks, how could you tell Barnett wasn't dead? And Crandall says that I saw him looking at me, I saw him blink, and that he'll never forget those eyes. Back at FBI HQ, what does that say? <laughs> what, what have I written? I don't know. You need to go to type in your notes, I swear to God. <laughs> no, I, I have changer. typed them, but I can't. You've typed them, you still don't understand what it says. Yeah, what, right, well, it says, jail photos are posted on the light screen as Mulder feeds the clip into his gun. So I was like, on his projector, yeah, I'm trying to remember what the scene was. That's what I was trying to make the connection. Yeah, I was like, I can't, I can't figure this out. Yeah, I think so. He's looking at them on the screen in the, the little bit of the op- office, and as he's doing it, he loads his gun. Right. Yeah, my brain just blanked. I was like, I can't make the connection of what I've seen <laughs> to what I've written. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know why I wrote that. I think I was. I was in I was in the zone. I was in notes mode, so I was just typing away. So <laughs> Scully asks him, what are you going to do? And Mulder says, I know what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to hang around and wait for Barnett to send him another Valentine. And Scully's like, oh, you mean the ghost of John Barnett? Mm-hmm. And 
Mulder's like, I didn't know you believed in ghosts, Scully. <laughs> so the phone rings and Scully walks over and answers it. She says it's for Mulder. And then we cut to Barnett, who's completely shrouded in shadow, except for like one portion of his face. So Barnett greets him by just, yeah, he's just like, fuck Mulder. <laughs> Mulder's like, Barnett? And he like signals to Scully, who runs off and she says that she's going to run a trace. And Barnett says... He's like, oh, you sound surprised. And then Mulder goes over to his tape recorder and presses record. And he's like, well, <laughs> shouldn't I be surprised? And Barnett says, you know, it's illegal to tape another person's phone call without their permission. Isn't that what they call it? And Mulder's like, in some states, he's like, what, do you make, what makes you think I'm taping you? And Barnett says, the same thing that makes me think you're putting a trace on this call. Basically, they go back and forth for this whole thing. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's a lot of talking. And just this guy, the way he talks, I'm like, right, can we fast forward you to like two times speed because yeah. just spit it out <laughs> it just takes forever to talk and it just pisses me off yeah it's major mood it just makes me angry yeah rationally angry and i'm like just hurry up <laughs> Mulder asks what state he's in and barnett replies in the same state that you are he stood he says that he stood next to you in line for coffee this morning and Mulder's like mm, no thanks so and barnett's like oh i'm everywhere you are i own you I'm like okay creeper uh, and well just like how do i really know it's you and barnett says what do i see in to you in the courtroom it's like did you ever doubt me Mulder says like, i don't know what did you tell me in the courtroom <laughs> and it's a lot of back and forth and barnett's not buying it he's like oh, if you keep if you think you're gonna keep me on this phone with this clumsy act and then just trails off and Mulder's like listen by all accounts john barnett is a dead man and Barnett's like, oh, you're the dead man, Mulder. <laughs> and it's just, this whole conversation is so funny. Mulder says, he's like, oh, fine, I just need confirmation you are you are who you say you are. And Barnett says, you want confirmation? You got it. And then he hangs up the phone. Well, the line cuts off. And then Mulder slams down the phone and Scully walks in and she says that she lost him. And Mulder says that, yeah, he was onto the trace. And uh, Scully asks, was it Barnett? And Mulder says, he was from New Hampshire. He had a slight accent. And listen to this. So he goes over to the recorder, stops it, reminds and then presses play let me hear the conversation back um, and it is the part where Barnett says you want confirmation you got it and Scully's like what did he mean by that and Mulder is like I don't know but that is John Barnett he is sure of it can you pick up on this New Hampshire accent because I'm not picking that up no not at all <laughs> not at all I think I'm too annoyed by the fact that he speaks so slowly yeah <laughs> sluggishly I'm just like hurry up <laughs> but yeah definitely didn't hear an accent so then we cut to Agent Purdue's house and he is lying asleep in his bed falling asleep while he's been reading and the book is still in his hand and his glasses are half off his face so the phone rings and wakes him up and his glasses fall to the floor as he picks up the phone and Mulder announces that it's him and Purdue is like what do you want it's the middle of the night and then Mulder, at camera cuts to Mulder, looks at his watch, he's like, oh, it's only 10.45. <laughs> to be fair. He's like, yeah, well, I was sleeping. <laughs> it's not the middle of the night, late. but that is late to be calling someone. Yeah, that is late. It's like, Mulder, some people have a life outside the, the FBI, unlike you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say that, yeah. So Mulder goes on to say, he's like, listen, Reggie, I don't think Barnett's dead after all. And he's just like, oh, now what? <laughs> And Mulder says that he got an inmate at the prison who swears he saw Barnett alive the night that they say he died. So Purdue just like tries to dismiss him. He's like, Mulder, go home, get some rest. <laughs> and Mulder's like, no, no, listen. <laughs> He's like, there's just one thing that doesn't make sense. So we cut back to Purdue. And then in his bedroom, we see like a shadow creep down his hallway in the back. And Mulder says that Agent Henderson said that the note that was left at the jewelry store was written by a right-hander. And we see, we cut back to Purdue. And then we see that the person is, that the person that's behind them like, steps into his bedroom and Purdue's like yeah it's so what Mulder says well this inmate at the prison swears he saw Barnett's right hand amputated so the person that was in the background who is Barnett steps on Purdue's glasses that are on the floor and wraps his defor deformed hand right around Purdue's throat choking him so basically he gets choked to death and <laughs> it's quite gruesome and he drops his phone as he is lifted off the bed. So we cut to Mulder, who is just shouting through the phone. He's like, hey, Reggie, you there? Like, what's happening? <laughs> so we cut back to Purdue's house, and we see that Purdue is thrown down onto the bed, and he is dead. Mulder continues to shout through the phone. Instead, I don't know, maybe like hanging up or phoning for help or going there, but never mind. So Barnett tosses a note down on Purdue's body, and then he goes back into the shadows, and the phone is still off the hook, and Mulder continues to call to him. Dun, dun, dun. And that is all the notes that I have. So we then cut to the scene, the crime scene, rather, 
in Reggie's house and Scully walks into the bedroom and starts dishing out orders like the girl boss she is telling people to do shit and write down what she yep. says but she's she's telling people to do stuff and she is she then goes up to Mulder who's clearly upset and she says his name softly and he starts waffling on about how Reggie's wife had died cancer I think it was six years ago could be bothered rewinding to check the time scale yeah. but it was within the last decade and how he had been working on a mystery yeah. novel that he said that Mulder could have read when he was finished but he had never a chance to and then he says something about like he was the only person he trusted in the FBI to show it to or something and I'm like mm-hmm. ah, thinking highly of yourself probably went around the whole yeah. world asking them to read his novel <laughs> Scully tells him she's sorry and Mulder says how he keeps thinking about how different it would have been if he had just taken a shot at Barnett when he had a chance Scully tells him that they're not even sure if it is Barnett and then Mulder just points like the ghost of Christmas past <laughs> yeah I don't know if that is the right ghost but the one that's silent and kind of just points or is it the ghost of Christmas future points maybe it's the future one Talk. Yeah, it's future wasn't it? Cause it's one that's all dark with his points and doesn't talk. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, he just points and then there's a new note and Scully looks at it and it says Fox's friend's funeral and then Fox or something. What is it? It says something like a funeral for Fox's friend, then a funeral for Fox or something like that. Yeah, it's that something like that. Yeah. We then cut to the lab where the note has been analysed by Agent Henderson, who says that it was definitely written with a right hand. She tells Mulder to take a look through the microscope as if he knows what he's looking for. And like she tells him some pointers, I didn't write it down, but, she, but as if he knows. If it's not his job, he's not going to know, is he? So yeah. she tells Mulder to take a look and she while he's looking for this microscope she literally looks him up and down mm-hmm. and like her tongue and her like honestly yeah she wants herself yeah. some Mulder clearly her scene <laughs> was act attracted to Mulder and she did not feel it in any way so Mulder asks if it could have been written by someone with a prosthetic hand and Henderson looks again and says that the way it's been written the person is more likely to be male can't remember why she says it's more like something else something to do with the curse of writing or something would need good finger dexterity mm-hmm. and you couldn't get that with a prosthetic Mulder asks if she thinks it's the same person who wrote the first note and Henderson says yes it is before asking if he thinks that this person who wrote the note killed Reggie and he confirms that he does Henderson then points out that there were no prints on the first note and if the person had been wearing a glove the note wouldn't be smeared the way that it is we then cut to Scully in the basement office on the phone Mulder walks in and she hangs up and tells him that she's been trying to get a hold of him. He then tells him that the doctor who signed Barnett's death certificate hasn't officially been a doctor since 1979. Mulder questions what she means and Scully explains that Dr Ridley's medical license was revoked for flagrant research, malpractice and misuse of of a government grant. I've just realised I've drank too much wine to talk properly but here we are. (laughs) Love it. Mulder asks her what experiments... Dr. Ridley was conducting and she tells him about Dr. Ridley's research on children afflicted with a disease called progeria. 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 Not sure. They pronounced it different ways in the episode. Does this actually exist? I never actually googled it. I don't know. I meant to. I was like, I'm going to fucking google this once I'm yeah, done yeah, and forgot all about it. Uh-huh. I said it was really rare and only affect. Hold on. Google. Where are you? Progeria. Or progeria. Whatever the fuck. A rare syndrome in children characterised by physical symptoms suggestive of premature old age. It's right. It's a real thing. I thought maybe they were just making it up. It is a thing. So then we see a projected video of a child with progeria and the Super Reads National Institute of Health, Bethesda, Maryland. Was this not the same fucking place that was in the last episode and I didn't know how to pronounce it? Yeah. 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 I'm going with Bethesda. You got it though. I got it that time. I don't know if that's how we pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, Bethesda. That's, that's what I'm fucking going with. So. I'm sure that's how you pronounce it. A doctor, and I'm going to call him Doctor for this whole scene. I don't know if he's a doctor or what, but I don't think his name's ever uttered in it. So he's uh, a doctor I'm referring to. Yeah, he's some dude. Yeah. So a doctor yeah. is explaining that the child is only eight, that's in the footage, and is suffering from the advanced stages of progeria. Mulder insensitively comments that she looks 90, and the doctor goes on to say that only around 100 cases have ever been reported, so the disease is rare. Scully adds, but fatal. Neither of these two, honestly, have a sense mm-hmm. of bone in their body. <laughs> They're just like no, throwing yeah. out little comments left, right, and center. So the doctor says that some patients make it to their early adulthood, but other beco- oh, sorry, others become terminally ill at age seven or eight. Mulder asks what the cause of death death is, and the doctor tells him that it's clinically it's a cardiac or cerebrovascular disease, but in reality the children die of old age. 
Mulder is standing in front of the projector screen and asks if the doctor on screen is Dr. Ridley. The, doc- the doctor confirms that he is and also says that the footage is from 1974. The doctor goes on to say that Dr. Rid- Ridley wanted to reverse the effects of progeria and at first showed promising work, but when he was asked but when he asked to move to human trials for his research, he was rejected. Mulder questions why he was rejected, and the doctor says because his work was hypothetical at best. He then goes on to say that Dr. Ridley didn't care about the children, he just saw them as an opportunity to unlock all the secrets. And then he says, like, he actually said that to me. So, Doctor also mentions that the other doctors or researchers or whatever referred to him as Dr. Mengala behind his back. Which is obviously a reference to Josef Rudolf Mengele. Do you know who that is? Uh, rings a bell. You're not as into your Off Nazis as me. And by into, no. I just mean the history. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was known as the Angel of Death. He did lots of very bad experiments um, with Auschwitz patients. Right, okay. Mostly twins. Like, he sewed twins together. He did all these horrible mm-hmm. experiments of like Jews that they had in captivity during, during right. the war. So, yeah. Not, not a good no, guy. Definitely not. <laughs> so that's what that's referring okay. to. But also in the art of forehead sweat, doesn't he call the Mandela effect the Mengele effect? I think so. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, I heard of it before from yeah. like history. But I'm like, but... what's its explanation of it? I can't remember because obviously, like Mulder explains why it's the the Ma- uh, Mandela mm-hmm. effect, but I can't remember if he exp- explains. What- I'm sure he explains why it's the Mengele effect. Right. But I don't think it's got anything to do with Mengele. I don't think so. Yeah. So. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember what the other significance of that. I've only ever heard of Mengele mm-hmm. to do with the, yeah, the same. Nazi yeah. doctor. Yeah. So he was famously one of the ones that ex- escaped to Argentina. Uh-huh. And then I'm sure like he drowned or something. Like karma got his ass. So yeah, as it should. Like he deserved. Yes. Yep. So Scully we went yeah. on a pageant <laughs> again. So Scully asks how Dr. Ridley lost his medical license and the doctor says that he went ahead with the human trials secretly on an outpatient basis. He says that when they learned about what he was doing, they terminated his grant and filed charges with the state medical board. Scully informs the doctor that Dr. Ridley has now dropped off the face of the earth and he doesn't seem surprised by this and instead tells Scully that it's rumoured that he went to South America to continue his work. Just like Dr. Yeah, there we go, yeah. I mean, he wasn't continuing his work, but... Well, both in South America. So Mulder, standing at the projector screen again, turns around horrified at this news, and we get a really nice shot of him as the like the film plays by mm-hmm. him. I don't mean nice as in like I'm being terribly, I just mean like it's a really good yeah, shot. Yeah. Really, really nice cinema- cinematography. Mm-hmm. So right after that, get uh so yeah, right after it's like really nice shot that you mm-hmm. get you get a very grainy shot of Mulder and Scully walking through like a uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, What happened to the camera quality? Yeah, it's here? not been updated HD. <laughs> So they're like going through doing what they usually do. They're arguing. They're walking down this corridor, and Mulder is trying to convince Scully that Doctor Ridley has found a way to reduce aging. But Scully tells him that it's science fiction. Mulder counters this by saying people would have said the same about cloning, artificial intelligence, fingerprinting, etc. I'm sure he names quite a yeah. few things, but that's all I can bother typing. Yeah, fair enough. Mulder ends his spiel by saying that John Barnett has found the perfect disguise. Youth. They then get into an elevator. Together and although they're alone and have plenty of space, they stand right next mm-hmm. to each other and gaze into each other's yep. eyes. Of course they do. We then cut back to Mulder, at whoever the fuck it is that does the computer rendering thing of suspects, like they're doing uh-huh. the deposit thing. And they, I don't know what it's called, and I'm not even gonna pretend that I do. No so, clue. <laughs> it's irrelevant. Yeah, it is. He's basically asking them to de-age Barnett. Mm-hmm. Next, we see Scully sitting at her computer writing a report, and she's at home. FYI. Mm-hmm. Didn't write that in my notes, but she's at home, her computer at home, and she's got her glasses on, her nice round ones mm-hmm. on her face. So then we get her classic voiceover yep. as she types. And did I fuck right all this down? Yeah. She's waffling on about Dr. Ridley seeing AIDS as a disease and his research into reversing its effects. We see Barnett's strong hand, <laughs> aka Salander, yeah. opening a door. Scully stops typing about the validity of Ridley's hypotheses as she hears the door creak, but she inevitably just ignores it and goes back to typing her notes. Writes about how the research that Ridley was doing is speculative and futuristic at best before she hears more noises and turns around again. I'm sure all that was slurred, but we're just... <laughs> <laughs> This time, she removes her glasses and gets up from her chair. She makes her way f- over to her firearm, because like, the camera kind of zeroes in on, yeah. her, on her gun, and she removes it from the holster and cocks it. She then starts to search her apartment, 
sidebar, love her outfit mm-hmm. this scene. Smooth and good. as she's searching, there's a yep. As she's searching, there's a knock at the door and she slowly goes to open it with her weapon ready. Before she opens it, she asks who's there and her voice replies saying, Dr. Joel Ridley. She opens the door and points her weapon at him and he holds his hands up in surrender before we see Barnett lurking in the dark in Scully's apartment. He slowly recedes behind the door and then we cut to later where Mulder has joined Scully and Dr. Ridley in her living room. Scully is sitting nice and cosy with her legs up. Yeah, she looks so cute. Taking some notes. Yeah, <laughs> she's so um, So she's taking her wee notes, and then Mulder's sitting on the sofa like a whore, as always. <laughs> and he asks Dr. Ridley. <laughs> he is, though. And by the way, what's with this outfit? Because his shoes look like shoes like an old man would wear. I swear to God. Like, they just did not know how to dress Mulder in these like earlier episodes, <laughs> like when he was like not at home. I know. Sorry, when he was not at work. They get there eventually, though. They do, yeah. So Mulder asks Dr. Ridley where he's been, and he admits that he's been continuing his work in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And police. Um, and he says that he's been around Central America and whatnot. So he also tells Mulder that Barnett was his only patient who survived. Mulder counters and asks, what about Dr. Ridley himself? <laughs> and I've wrote in my notes, like, I just realised that I forgot to mention in my previous notes that Dr. Ridley looks the exact same as he did in the footage from almost 20 yeah. years ago. And he's also got, like, the creepy, misty he does. eyes, like, for mm-hmm. So, obviously, he's had treatment yeah. as well. Forgot to notice that. It's quite a big detail. <laughs> so, it's <until> he <laughs> answers the door. So, Dr. Ridley says that his appearance is deceiving and that he only has more than a month to live as he is dying mm. from a rare cerebral vascular disease. Scully questions if it's the same disease that kills the children suffering from progeria, and Dr. Ridley confirms that it is. Dr. Ridley tells her that it's unfortunate side effect from the treatment. Dr. Ridley explains by using the components of progeria that expect, ex, expedite uh, aging, he was able to do the opposite and reverse it, but it left him susceptible to the same ailments as the children suffering from progeria. Dr. Ridley then goes on to say that if he but didn't detest Barnett so much, then he might go as far to call him his one triumph. Mulder asks if Barnett isn't dying, and Dr. Ridley says that other than his eyes, he's thriving. He also says that the eyes do not respond to the gene therapy that the rest of the body is obviously responding to. Scully is lapping all this up. No way, yeah. She looks super engrossed um, as she's taking her little notes and asks how, and then Dr. Ridley explains that once he isolated the progeria receptions, he stumbled across something quite unexpected to the same genes related to myelin production. Scully, uh, Scully then tells us that this is the material that insulates the neutrons in the body, in case we're all stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doing next files. So Dr. Ridley explains that myelin is not present in the very young and by reversing the effects of aging he found with Barnett that he was able to regulate the production of myelin. Myelin being the material that prohibits you or I from regenerating a new hand if we were able to Sorry, if we were to have ours cut off. Mulder questions whether Ridley is saying that he was able to grow Barnett a new hand and Ridley says not exactly not a human hand as they were never able to get the human cells to divide and behave properly. Scully interjects, saying she's afraid to ask, but then she asks what kind of yeah. room. And Dr. Ridley explains about research in London with salamanders. And as he's talking about this, Mulder looks truly disgusted. And Dr. Ridley says that only ever got to work with salamanders. And Mulder guesses until Barnett. Scully is still loving all oh, of yeah, this. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> so laughing up. She's, she's loving all this science yeah. stuff. So as she said, and like she's like, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Ridley then tells him that once he was censured by the AMA, American Medical Association, I'm guessing. I think so, yeah. Other sponsors came out of the woodwork, including the US government. Mulder looks shocked by this as he takes up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I remember reading, writing this. I wrote, Mulder looks shocked by this as he takes up an even sluttier point <laughs> on the sofa. I can remember exactly what is. He then like, puts both his arms like on the back of the mm-hmm. sofa. Dr. Ridley replies that he's he'd be shocked to hear about just how high up the ladder this little secret goes. Then cut to a bar where Mulder meets his sugar daddy, aka Deep Throat, <laughs> yep. and he's even bought him a wee pint yeah. for their little cute. date. It's very cute. So Deep Throat jumps right in and tells Mulder that he's not particularly proud of the way in which this matter was handled, but like like it or not, John Burnett is a fact of life. Mulder rebuffs that he wished that Reddy, Reggie was around to appreciate the irony. And Deep Throat says that the US government knew what Barnett was. The US government knew that Barnett was in the 
US and yeah, I'm like, why have I capitalized us? Yeah. The <laughs> <For> US. <laughs> Default says that the US government knew that Barnett was in the US and that Mulder knows himself that Barnett stole all of Rud- Ridley's research. So I'm guessing that was mentioned in that previous scene and I just completely did not write it down. Possibly. Too much going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. There's too a lot going on. I just keep it well so Fair. He must, he must have admitted in that that, that Barnett stole all of, his, all of his research. But what Ridley doesn't know is that the US government is bargaining with Barnett to buy the research from him. Mulder smiles ironically, but this at this rather, before asking what Barnett wants. Deep Throat responds that he wants a lot of money, a safe haven and a meanie. Mulder asks if he'll get it and Deep Throat points out Barnett holds all the cards. Mulder asks if Deep Throat is aware that the man they are negotiating with is a murderer and Deep Throat tells him that the information that Barnett has could change the course of mankind and tells Mulder to consider the options to which Mulder replies, I will, before storming off. Mm-hmm. We then cut back to Scully's apartment it looks like early morning now and we can hear the, the shower is running as the phone rings in the background. Scully comes out of the shower and goes to answer her machine. And at first I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Because we never, I never had one of these machines. But then I just guessed, which turned out to be true. It's just that someone else is accessing her messages yeah. from her phone. So like it was just built in on my phone. Like even mm-hmm. in the nineties, yeah. like the phone just like it was not a separate machine. It was just like you dialed one four seven one and you retrieved your messages. Or one four seven was the previous number. Yes. I can't remember what it was that you used to dial to get your messages because I don't even use a house phone anymore. I just use mobiles. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did have a separate answer but machine. Number you dialed. To be fair. Yes, you did because you let it ring to it. Uh-huh. Didn't you? Whereas we had a little device that we had plugged in. I just remember it was yellow and blue, and it it gave you the number that was who was phoning. So you can uh... save numbers in there, or just show you the number, so you'd know when it was like a eight hundred number. Yeah. Like some idiot calling you, like cold yeah. calling, and we just ignore yeah. it. Whereas you just used to let it go to answer machine, yes. didn't you? And see who yeah. it was. Could you? Do you remember? Did, were you able to access your messages when you from like a separate phone? Because um, like they do with friends as well. So this must be a popular thing in America where you can check your messages from your machine by dialing a number and putting in a code. I don't know. No, I think it's just. I American think it must thing. be. Yeah. So we then cut to the basement office where Scully rams her answering machine into Mulder's face <laughs> and asks, and he asks what it is. Scully says it's her private answering machine, or it used to be at least, because this morning she heard someone dialing in her code and replaying her message. Scully then tells Mulder about hearing noises in her apartment the night before, but she had assumed it was Dr. Ridley out in the hallway once she knocked on the door. Mulder tries to interrupt her, but Scully continues and tells him that she took the machine to fingerprint uh, sorry, to be fingerprinted, and John Barnett's left index oblique is on the underside Ooh. of the unit. Phone then rings, and when Mulder answers it, it's Creep of the Week, John Barnett, <laughs> making weird sexual grunting, yeah. sighing noises. On the Still not sped up any. Mulder's immediately like, fucking Barnett, yeah. you creepy yeah. little <laughs> So Barnett tells Mulder not to get too attached to his new friend Ridley, because he'll be dead soon. Just like the rest of Mulder's friends, and Mulder's like, jokes on you, Barnett. I only have one friend, and that's Scully. And then Scully <laughs> in the background is like, Mulder, we're <laughs> None of that really happens. So Mulder tells Barnett that he's not that smart, and Barnett says, um, Does he really have to prove it again? And then he says that it'll be Mulder's turn soon. Mulder says that he won't get the chance. Barnett questions this and asks, Who's going to stop him? And then he starts talking like some Manson-style hippie. Honestly, the way this guy talks, I can't oh, deal with it. Oh, I can't either. Before he scratches his chin with his little salamander hand and hangs up. And again, like when you were going back and forth between Mulder and Barnett, he was just like half in darkness, so you never got to see yeah. his, his real face. And like in the bit where he's like half shrouded. Yeah. Because later on in the episode, you're like, that is not the voice I would have put to that face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Mulder asks Scully what Barnett would have learnt from Scully's messages and Scully tells him about the message from her mum and the message from her friend where they had arranged to meet before her cello recital that night. Mulder asks where it is and then we cut to the cello, cello sorry, try that again. <laughs> we cut to the cello recital venue and the super reads Janie Taylor Memorial Recital Hall, Washington, DC. I took a weird break there. <laughs> <laughs> between recital yeah and i know what you mean i do <laughs> Word pops works. Uh, i'll delete that so inside Mulder is giving instructions to a team of agents as scully hands out composite images of barnett to everyone i think that's what they're called we'll just roll with it Mulder makes it clear that they don't know exactly what barnett looks like so to watch out in particular for his spooky eyes it's not what he says but yeah you get what i mean Mulder then tells everyone to keep cl- 
Scully in their sights because she's the love of his life I and mean, nothing can happen to her. Pretty sure that's what he said anyway. So then he says that they want to take Barnett alive and to be honest after what Deep Throat told them, I don't know why you'd want to yeah, take him alive. Yeah. I'd be like shit on sight. Because mm-hmm. why would you want the US government having that research? Like can they be trusted? No. Absolutely no. Not. Can any government be trusted? No. no. So why would you not just want to shoot on sight? Fucking get rid of that. Yeah that information yeah. that would be the smart mm-hmm. thing to do so anyway once the other agents break away to scope the building Mulder asks Scully how she's feeling and of course he has to put his hands on her to do this otherwise she wouldn't have understood his question mm-hmm. so Scully replies that it's her first time ever playing the target and Mulder replies that they need to make sure that it's not her last time and then Scully looks up as if to say bitch why the fuck would yeah. you say that to me <laughs> like as if she's not nervous enough so we then cut to the concert hall and Scully's friend I think she's trying to like tune the cello to the piano mm-hmm. or vice versa. They're trying to tune the piano to the cello. I don't know what's going on, but they're not playing a proper thing. No, I, it's just, I don't know if it's like just a weird practice or like tuning it. Yeah. So I don't know if she's trying to tune it to the piano or vice versa. Mulder walks across the stage as she's doing this and then he walks like down onto the aisle and then walks up to. Yeah, but when he walks past, like the man looks up from the piano and we see, like, it's got Spooky's eyes, so we know it's Barnett. Mm-hmm. Mulder exits the concert hall into the vestibule area and scans the area. We see our agents with absolute zero stealth. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, um, I. Looking around for Barnett. Like, they, they're so obvious. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So Mulder and Scully's eyes meet across the room, as they do, star cost lovers yeah. and all. And he gives her this like dorky little Yeah, it's so cute. And, like all he nods. His little smile. Oh. I can't even see like some sort of like sexy wink. It's not. It's the dorkiest yeah, thing ever. This it's boy so can't cute. wink. I'm trying to think of if I've ever seen him wink again in this scene. I don't know. I don't anything. think so. <clears throat> Probably best idea. Uh, yeah. So we then go back to the concert hall where Burnett also leaves the stage and walks down the aisle before exiting into the vestibule area where he spots Scully. Note that when he exits the hall, Mulder is literally has his fucking back. Yeah. <laughs> so he's about as useful as a chocolate fire. Yeah, yep. Anyway, Barnett notices Scully and like starts like literally pushing people down and pulls his gun out and at this point Scully notices him and she shouts gun before trying to retrieve her own weapon but Barnett shoots her first and she falls to the ground. Not subtle at all. Mulder yeets some poor guy like onto the floor yeah. and shouts get down before grabbing his own gun and trying to go after Barnett but he's already gone. Mulder asks the other agents to check Scully out who is by the way, lying on the floor in the most comical <laughs> This is so funny. Lie, every time I see the shot, it makes me it laugh. It's so funny in the way she's just like yeah. there. <laughs> Mulder then chases Barnett to the concert hall where Barnett is inevitably, um, he grabs a cellist to take her as a hostage. I can't remember if she had a name or not. Just go with the uh, cellist. Yeah. So, do you know what? No, I, I can't remember. They might have said it in the answer. No. Machine mad. Barnett then berates Mulder saying that he won't shoot because it's against regulations. This goes on for a while. It's a little bit cheesy. It is, yeah. And we get a close-up of Mulder's wee face as he takes aim This is the shot, I think. He continues to egg him on. I think that's the shot I was talking about where it looks like it's been cut in. Like, it doesn't fit. Like the background or like the scene that they're in. Oh, I never I mean, noticed. No, no, it's not. It's like because all the other shots, he's obviously focusing, and you've got like the background. But it's that one shot. It's just him, and it's just dark. And I'm like, it just doesn't look like it fits into the scene. It's just so off-putting for me. It's just weird. Maybe just when you're focusing on him and well, where his eyes are, like as he's aiming. But yeah, sure. that's what I was thinking. It's maybe just like him just focusing. But I'm just like, it's so like funny. Like no explanation. It's just it's weird. It just stands out for yeah. me. It's funny. Yeah, so he says, he's saying how he won't shoot because it's against regulation and like Mulder's aiming and then Barnett's still egging him on saying like he won't do it or whatever, hasn't got the guts, can't remember what he's saying, but something along those lines. And as he's saying this, uh, Mulder just shoots, shoots him. Don't know where he hits him because he's still alive later, so mm-hmm. can't be like between knives or anything. Maybe in like the he, chest he or something. Him, makes a shot, yeah. Barnett falls to the ground, cellist is fine. We then cut to Scully, who's being told an ambulance is on the way, and she opens her eyes, and then like she's kind of feeling her chest, and then she like moves her blouse out of the way and reveals that she's wearing a bulletproof vest. We then cut to uh, OR, and we see Barnett is being worked on as old dry lips hovers yeah. over him and tries to extract information about Ridley's research files. And maybe it's just me, but this does not sound like William B. Davis. It like, doesn't. It doesn't sound like his voice, but, so I don't know if it's just like bad ADR uh-huh. or if they got someone else to do it. Well, yeah, see, I don't know. Like, maybe they got him for the scene. 
but then when they came to do the voiceover, he wasn't available, so we're yeah. like, ah, just fucking get yeah. someone else. I really don't know, because I wasn't convinced that it was him. It doesn't sound like him at all, does it? Because it doesn't really look like him either, but we don't really see... Oh, it's definitely We don't really him. clearly see his oh, face. Oh, it's definitely, definitely him. him. yeah. Again, I think I was just... Yeah, it's definitely him. I just must have missed that. But yeah, I, it doesn't sound like him at all. I think that was the problem. Like, it didn't sound like him, so I was like, oh, it's not him. Because, well... Yeah. No, I think it's yeah. definitely him. It looks like him to me. Okay. Anyway, Mulder's watching all this from behind a glass screen, and we see him, like, watching on as Scully comes in. He asks her how she's feeling, and Scully says she feels like somebody kicked her in the ribs. Mulder informs her that she, the bullet went through eight layers of Kevlar and that she's lucky to be alive. To which... Scully should have been like, uh, no thanks to you. Pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Kumi egg on. So, oh, also, in the scene, do we not think that Mulder's tie is a bit plain for it him? It is. In this scene? Like, it's got a pattern on it, but it's like very low key. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the usual tie that mm-hmm. you wear. But back to the scene, Scully asks about Barnett, and Mulder tells her that they flew in three specialists to save his life, and the guy in the ugly suit is probably CIA, and Scully is like, no, he's your father. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Again, doesn't really happen. Well, yeah. It'd be funny if it was. End. It did, though. She was like, He's your father. So, anyway, Mulder tells Scully that CSM has been trying to talk. Obviously, you can call him CSM. I'm just calling him CSM. Is trying to talk to Barnett, who Mulder reveals is unconscious. So, what the actual fuck is old dry lip? Yeah. Why is he trying to talk to someone who's unconscious and trying to get answers from? Like, why are you asking questions to someone who's not conscious? it's so stupid this is where Mulder gets it from Yeah. so Scully tells Mulder that she knows what he did wasn't by the book and Mulder replies that it tells you a lot about the book doesn't it Mm -hmm. which is fucking square on the point Mulder like yes so true so we then cut to inside the OR where someone is holding Barnett's strong hand and uh, someone's asking like to get him a pen and paper because like his hand's kind of moving but like he immediately dies after this, and then CSM is tr- still trying to talk with Barnett after he's dead for a few seconds. Yes, yeah. swear to God, this guy. He's determined to give him that. But then we get a really nice shot where it's what, yeah, exactly. We get this really nice shot. So it switches from like seeing Barnett in the OR to then it shows you like Mulder's reflection on the glass screen that he's mm-hmm. watching from. And it's just really cool cinematography yet again. And then Scully inform- informs Mulder that Barnett is dead. As if he didn't figure that out for yeah. himself. <laughs> and R- Mulder replies, the bastard will probably take the, re- the research with him to the grave. Which I think's for best. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so too. Scully asks Mulder where he thinks the research is. And we cut to an airport or a bus station or something mm-hmm. like that. Whilst we get a voiceover of Mulder and Scully's conversation, Mulder says that the research is probably sitting in a field somewhere or a safe deposit. Getting old, just like the rest of us. Which is good, because that's the natural order of yeah. things. Like, why would you not want to get old? So people... Either you stop having any more people and no one grows old. Yeah. Or you let people grow, grow old and you have new, new yeah. children. So it's one or the other. Letting people live forever and having children. This world is overpopulated enough as it uh-huh. is. Fuck sake, mother. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> get a close-up shot of, like, a, a locker, I guess mm-hmm. it is. Like a wee storage locker in this station, wherever it is. And... We, um, we're led to presume that this is where the research is and Scully says that someone's bound to find it eventually and Mulder says that they probably haven't heard the last from John Barnett and then like a ticking sound plays over like a yeah. bomb like, over the scene and then it fades to black and stellar fucking end it is. to be honest like, that's so good so well good. done John, uh, John mm-hmm. Snow is that his name? no it's not just his name Mark Snow John Snow's the guy from <laughs> yeah <laughs> never even watched that <laughs> Mark Snow yeah oh do you know mm-hmm. what? When it comes to music, I forgot to mention, and I don't know why they use this music, because it's kind of like the music they use like in the satanic cult episodes, mm-hmm. but it's like the chanting yeah. sort of yeah. noises. It's really cool music, I do really and it's like really it. creepy, but I don't quite understand why it's played in this episode, but it's effective, uh-huh. it's creepy, I like it. Yeah. yeah, But I'm not quite sure why they use it in this, but I'm just like, I don't care, it's really good. I'll yeah. Have to, I'll like it. It's very good. And, and that's the episode. That is the episode. Um, so we're an hour and a half in. Mm-hmm. Let's start wrapping this fucker yeah. up. So, where are <laughs> where are we putting this? First of all, is it, is it going in our top five? So, the bottom of our top five is Eve. Mm. What's below Eve? Jersey Devil. I would put it above Jersey Devil, but would I put it above? I would. Eve? I'm going to say the same. I think I would. I think I'd put it in number six. Yeah, yeah, I could put it in number six. I would either. Yeah, I would either put it higher? above or below Eve. I think it just kind of depends on my mood. It changes all the time. Yeah, me but too. I'm gonna 
before now. What yeah, I would agree. It yeah. deserves to be up there. So, young at heart. So, our top five remains the same. So, top five is Squeeze, Ice, Beyond the Sea, Pilot, and Eve. Nice. Um, and then, do you want to quickly read out our comments from the fans yes. right there? Um, right, so, Kathy G says that there's so much going on. It's hard to believe Re- It's hard to believe Reggie Henderson, courtroom Mulder, psycho killer, mad scientist, Scully's friend, Salamander Hand, and Mulder Wink are all in one episode. Um, it's such a shame we didn't get more Henderson after this. True. She was hungry for some Mulder, and I feel like <laughs> just like Pedral deserved to get laid, so did she. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then at Agent Troy. Or at agent underscore Troy says, I love this episode not only for the Mulder angst, but we also get more of his backstory and some insight into how he became the very much not by the book agent that we know and love him as. Also, it rounds him out a lot to have tra- uh, trauma that's not associated with Samantha Lol. That that's so true, though. Like, it's good to have some backstory that does not yeah. go back to the whole abduction thing. Yeah. I totally agree with that. It's a good episode. Yep. I actually really like this episode, Me too. but I always forget about it. I do too. It's only when I yeah, hear I love it. Heart, I I'm like, oh, you said that episode. Oh, yeah. Next episode is EBE, which has got one of Mulder's best fucking ties. Everyone hates this tie. <laughs> yeah. Everyone hates yeah. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's got fucking great ties. And EBE's got he one does. of the best ties of all time. Yep. So I don't know if you know what tie I'm talking about, but it's fucking, oh, it's amazing. It's Possibly. So Possibly. so much going on. <laughs> in your face and I love it. It's I do love his ties, yeah. Other than that, will we um, wrap it up there? Yeah. But of course, we can't say goodbye without... Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> what a banger. Mm-hmm.